1: Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karis. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine Miller-Karis. Welcome to
2: Resiliency Within. Um, I also want to let our our um, our listening audience know that we're live streaming on Facebook Live on the Resiliency Within Facebook page. And I would want I want to start out by saying welcome, 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 Guy McPherson, who has his own show. He's had a, he's interviewed over seven hundred therapists of all things, and we're going to be talking about his experiences. As um, I ask, I, we've prepared questions, and but I want to tell you a little bit more about him before we get started with our dialogue. So first of all, he has his PhD. He has two children and holds a doctorate in clinical psychology. In 2014, um, he was working in a clinic in Northern California, assessing and treating um, young individuals with early psychosis. And he decided he was going to found the Trauma Therapist Project to raise awareness of trauma and create an educational and supportive community for new trauma therapists. The Trauma Therapist Project has now grown, and it has grown, my goodness, to include the the Trauma Therapist um, podcast, now being listened to worldwide, several online courses, and also the Trauma Therapist Newsletter. It's a monthly subscription resource filled with information and inspiration for trauma therapists everywhere. Guy focuses on honoring and cultivating the authenticity, vulnerability, and courage of trauma therapists. You know, we often on the show talk about people who've experienced trauma, but not necessarily the people who care for them. So he will share um, the lessons learned from interviewing over 700 therapists who've dedicated their lives to helping people with trauma. So Guy, as we get started, what's on your mind? Anything coming up as we're just starting right now and having this conversation together?
3: yeah no i i appreciate it uh i just want to say thank you for having me on here it's a, it's an honor to be asked to be on to join you and i'm excited you know to, to share uh my experience i love i love doing this and love talking about uh this topic so i'm ready to dive in
2: well i'm an I, open book you're an open book and i want yes. to say to our to our audience as well is that um Many years ago, you you invited me to come to your program, and I remember I didn't know you then, and you were living up in Oakland. And I said, okay, you know, I'm a former Bay Area gal; I lived in the San Jose area, and so we had a lovely conversation when I was just kind of starting some of the ideas that we've been talking about on the show now for almost three years. So thank you for that, Guy. Um, remember being very nervous going to be. <laughs> On a, you're on welcome. a show, yes. Yeah, so, thank you for that. Well, so let me ask you a question as we're getting start, started. Started. Um, so, becoming a psychologist, how has your lived experience created the work that you're passionate about right now? To be so involved in trauma informed care of people. Yeah. Well,
3: you know, I got into this. I got into. I was drawn to trauma i was always <laughs> drawn to what i call the 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 ring being in the fire with people i i really kind of loved getting in there with people even before i was, was in graduate school and just being able to talk to them about what really mattered what other people didn't Want to talk about or felt uncomfortable talking about. And I didn't know why. And I think a lot of us who do get into this field uh, might say, give you one answer, but there may be uh, other underlying answers or reasons. And for for me, it was, it was too. You know, I got into graduate school, I knew I wanted to focus on trauma, and uh, I didn't realize how much you asked about lived experience, my own, uh, the bullying I'd I'd experienced as a young kid.
2: Sorry that happened to you.
3: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Not only the degree to which that impacted the the trajectory of my life, the way I showed up in relationships, the kind of relationships I had, self-confidence, self-esteem, on and on and on, but I didn't realize the degree to which it drove me to want to work with others who had experienced uh, trauma, similar uh, uh, distressing experiences, and so forth, and um, uh, got out of graduate school, uh, was doing various internships and and practica, et cetera, and then, as you mentioned in in the bio, I was working in a clinic in Northern California, and it was there where uh, I was working with young kids between 12 and 17 or so. And it was an incredible experience for me because part of the job was uh, we had to take these uh, uh, assessment calls or these these calls from teachers and therapists and family members. Basically, they wanted to see if their kid was right for our program. 99, not surprisingly, but 99.9% of these kids had experienced trauma. But it had gone unnoticed by the teachers, by the parents, not surprisingly, but maybe surprisingly, by some of the therapists too. And you know, we take these we these these calls, and you'd write up the report, and then a week later, the child would come in for an assessment, and you'd see them coming into the the waiting room, Elaine, and it would be this little kid. You'd like read the report, and it would be horrific, right? All this stuff that happened to them, and these crazy behaviors but they would walk into the the waiting room and it would be this like little kid and you'd be you'd like have to do a double take you like look at the 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 paper you had written
2: and then look at the kids like this how, kid could to, how could that be how could that person yes how could that be and
3: i got so frustrated i was like this is something's Wrong here. How could this keep going unnoticed? And concurrently, I was studying uh, with uh, sensory motor psychotherapy, so I was doing a lot of trauma uh, education my, myself. And that was the moment where I was like, I, "I've got to do something." I I I I started, and I started the podcast. So well, pause
2: there. And I guess I just <laughs> want to say, because I think this is really important, because sensory motor psychotherapy was created by um, Pat Ogden, um, who has been a leader in the field of, of really bo- body and mind mental health care. And of course, this is a show. We also have a model in the Trauma Resource Institute, the Trauma Resiliency Model, the Community Resiliency Model, that really I feel like we're cousins with. um, (laughs) She doesn't know me, but if we were, I think we'd be cousins. But I want to emphasize that because when we talk about children and adults who've had the kind of trauma that I know that you dealt with there and seeing all these and then what, what happened, why don't we know? It's so much is in the body. And so, you know, I really want to encourage people as they're thinking about, Oh my gosh, I think maybe that happened to me or my kid is that finding a therapist that integrates both. And of course that's, you know, my, you know, whether it's somatic experiencing or sensory motor psychotherapy, or the trauma resiliency model, but it's like, it's in the body. And mm-hmm. if we don't work with the body, I mean, maybe, and I would love your opinion on that. I don't think we're going to be as successful to help people that have had trauma.
3: Right. Well, I, I yeah I mean I I I thoroughly agree um you know uh, that uh experience that that moment for me was the impetus for me to really kind of shift gears away from uh doing therapy and clinical work and really just focusing on this I mean I at that time was doing a lot of commuting and I was listening to a lot of podcasts myself about uh, entrepreneurs and and people doing incredible things with their lives, and I was like, so inspired by that, and at the same time, wonder to myself, how can I help get the word out? How can I make a difference? And that was when i started the podcast that was
2: like that was like the moment and i just want to also say i mean it's always so amazing to me to think as a human being and human beings and how inspiring you are to think about the suffering you had as a little boy being bullied knowing we know now that is a traumatic experience and that you came from that and decided you would help with healing and the awareness that when something like that happens it matters to the heart and soul and body of a little person. And how can we open up that perspective and lens? And here you started this trauma therapist podcast. And I mean, you've interviewed 700 therapists. I mean, I'm one of them, I'm going, oh my gosh. So what has been, I guess, the learning trajectory for you um, in bringing out those people to your show, talking about them, to them about what they do in the world. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just gonna like give you free form. What do you want to talk about first about this? Because so- yeah. I wanna I, I
3: I wanna uh dive into that. Um, but before I do, I just wanna briefly go back and say that one of the things that really struck me was you know, we were taking these um uh calls from these teachers and parents and we would be asking about, you know, are there any medical conditions, any medications, any drug use, substance use, history of the, you know, everything going on and on and on. And initially, you know, we would ask about trauma, T R A U M A. And a lot of people were like, no, kids never been to war, kids never been raped. No, you're joking me? Joking? And it was a big learning experience to, uh, you know, understand, well, how do you ask? (laughs) There are other ways to get in there and to ask and inquire and to find out. Um, and that was a big learning point for me. The other was that, you know, just because, you know, one event might be traumatic for one person doesn't mean it's going to be. Traumatic for another person or just conversely, just because one thing isn't traumatic for, you know, you, that doesn't mean it's not going to be, it's not going to be traumatic for me, you know, because a lot of people are like, I've had bullying before. It didn't bother me. Well, it jacked me up, you know?
2: And so anyway, I just wanted to share those kind of two little bits. And that's so important too, especially when we're talking about kids, because, you know, I had a really mean dentist, for example, I didn't go to the dentist for a long time. I have crowns all over because of avoiding something because it was so frightening to me. Now, my mom, who wouldn't, wasn't, she didn't do this on purpose, but she goes, oh, we all go to the dentist. You just have to go to the dentist. But when I went to the dentist, it was like, I was afraid. It jacked me up, right? So sometimes adults can minimize the experience of children thinking that it's not a big deal or because they, or sibling, or another friend didn't experience this, the same way that you know what's wrong with you. Come on, you know, um, get a little stronger within yourself. You know, yeah. why are you acting that way? Look at Johnny; he's fine.
3: Right, right. Yeah, um, it's funny when I when I first started my my podcast. You know, my goal, I think, as, as I mentioned before, was to interview you know, master trauma therapists, you know, Pat Ogden and Janina Fisher and and those people. And uh, I quickly learned that uh, there are so many people out there who we haven't heard of who are not only uh, dedicating their lives to helping others who've been impacted by trauma, but they're so amazing and they're so inspiring. And that's opened up a whole world for me you know it 's not just you know getting Stephen porges or Janina Fisher on the podcast, but it's the finding um, the and and like you said giving these other people a platform to not only share what they're doing f- from my perspective but to invite them to really discover how they went from experiencing x to then turning that around and wanting to help others that whole process to me is so inspiring and that's what you did that's what you did that is what i did that is that is what i did i did i did do that and it's funny you know you, you asked a little bit about what it's been like when i first started um one of the questions I would always ask, I had this set of questions because I was scared to deviate from this.
2: You had a script. I understand that. Right. Right. I've learned to deviate from it over the years, so yes. And it was
3: it's it's a really good question. And a lot of people have, have actually emailed me about it, but it was I would ask my guests, you know, can you share an early clinical error and what you learned from it? Because a lot of uh young therapists You know, they look at seasoned clinicians, and they're like, you know, these people have it all figured out. But of course, (laughs) people don't. And a lot of and I thought I would hear answers like, well, you know, this particular intervention didn't work, or that technique didn't work, or uh, you know, I had thought I'd memorized page two twenty two of Pat Ogden's book, and that I didn't get that. What I got predominantly was people talking about seasoned therapists talking about how they did not honor their own authenticity and allow themselves to connect with the person in front of them how uh that 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 authentic presence that authentic connection just got completely disrupted due to uh, an unwillingness uh, on the therapist's part. And that oftentimes led them to really understanding the importance of, uh, you know, practiced, seasoned self disclosure, of course, ethic, ethic with ethics and boundaries, but allowing themselves to be themselves in the moment. And that in turn allowed me to explore my own trauma and allowed me to be
2: more comfortable with talking about it well so maybe we should we should talk a little bit unpack what does it mean to be an authentic therapist um I think that would probably be important for our audience to to learn I mean also you know just so you know audience yeah yeah therapists do make mistakes and they do they look back and say oh I should have done that differently and I mean I think the whole process of uncovering, what we may have done in order to not do it again is really important but this authenticity i think is such a core um value so please tell tell help us understand
3: yeah it's it's a really it's a really good question because we fling that word around in this field authenticity and presence and vulnerability and i think it's really important excuse me for uh therapists of, of any ilk to really explore why they're getting into this field. you know, and a lot of times people will say, "Well, I want to help others and I want to heal and blah, blah blah blah. blah. Well, I think when you when you drill down, you get to a a level where a lot of times people want to prevent uh, or take away another person's pain. And you asked about certain uh, episodes that kind of stuck out for me and and there was one of them. I was interviewing uh, Dr. Sharon Stanley, who's an incredible person, she's a psychologist, and she was talking about this whole topic. And she said, you know, a lot of clinicians w- want to help, they want to heal and they want to take another way, take away someone else's pain. And she she said, she wasn't speaking to me directly, but she was speaking rhetorically. She said, "And how dare you think it's your job to take away someone else's pain? they have their own journey. You're there, you know, to be there and to be present. And I was like, whoa, that was a really, really yes. big learning experience.
2: Well, because it's empowering to take away your own pain. We can guide people to look at things in a, in a different way, but right. it's really theirs, isn't it? Yeah. I know right. Sharon Stanley. I met her many years ago. Yeah. And I think that
3: was such was such a, uh, an enlightening moment for me because I'll think a lot of Younger clinicians um, want to do just that. You know, it's all good intentions, but it's 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 it takes another, I think, perspective to be able to do exactly what you said. To be able to 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 sit there and be there and allow things to unfold, not on therapist time. But on on that,,
2: the- and there may be people out there going, "Well, I need therapy, and I thought if I went to a therapist, they'd just take my pain away <laughs> because I, that that's a misnomer. I mean, that we have that ability to do that. Only you can take that pain away or lessen the pain, or even you know, you may decide that a little bit of that pain is important for you to hold because it reminds you. where you no longer want to be i've had that people say that to me that's that's the individual's person's journey right that's not our journey as therapists
3: exactly exactly
2: so you know
3: having said that you know this this word authentic and authenticity i think it's important uh to understand as far as i'm concerned from my perspective is that authenticity is going to be different for each of us. It's not a fixed point that we're all going to strive towards. Um, You know, for you to be authentic might be something very different and I'm sure it is, you know, for me to be authentic might be uh, responding in the moment uh, with humor or with a joke or with deference or with whatever. And again, I say all this with the understanding that, you know, people, do this with, with, with ethics and with boundaries and so forth, and with
2: respect, I, and and with of respect.
3: course. Of course, um, but I think being able to get to that point, um, creates this beautiful garden of, of possibility and, and blooming and verdancy that is crucial for the healing process, especially. When you're talking about someone who's been impacted by trauma, who oftentimes uh, has experienced the antithesis of that, right? They've they've ripped from them. They've had uh, self trust and honoring of their self and authenticity ripped from them. Uh, safety ripped from them. To be able to create uh, not only a a regulated environment or a safe environment, but one where. Uh, there's a mutual honoring of, of self that that's vital. Yeah,
2: and I it takes so. and I, a lot of work. Saying, talk <laughs> about that too. There's another question that's connected to that. You know, I always am a little wary, wary sometimes of people that say, I am the expert and you're coming to me so I can help you with this expert way that I have it looking at the world. And that's different than expertise. And expertise say, oh yeah, I've studied trauma. I have many ideas about things that could help you. But when someone is the expert and then you come in, it's like a one down position. And that always concerned me when certain therapists had that way of interacting with people. So I don't know if you have to comment. You may not have the same concern that I do, but could you maybe address it?
3: I, I mean, I totally agree. I think inherent within the therapist-client relationship, there's an imbalance. You know, the client is going to the therapist. The therapist has presumably a lot of education and knowledge, and that's 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 inherent from the get-go. And I think the uh, seasoned, the wise therapists are those who are able to, you know, create this kind of equilibrium. And not only that, but as you're saying, uh, be able to empower the client such that, uh, you know, allowing them to, to maybe hear for the first time that they are the expert, that they do (laughs) have, uh, the wisdom, whether they know it or not, you know, but that, that, that to me is, uh, is really exciting. You know, when I first started, when I was in graduate school, and I was, uh, Doing some uh, internships, I was doing exactly what you said. I I I I wanted to be the expert, going to graduate school, you know, taking all these uh, you know trauma workshops and I had all this knowledge. I wanted to share it, not only share it. I wanted to tell my clients, you know, in the best intention what to do and i w- remember walking into my supervisor's office uh, one of the first times and i and i was so frustrated because they weren't listening to me and my ther- and my supervisor she said guy and i'll never forget this she said what the hell makes you think they need to be listening to you what are you thinking <laughs> and i was like so taken aback and you know it just blew me away and I'll tell you what, that whole perspective of mine that not so much that I, that I wanted to be um, you know, the person with all the answers, but, but, but that I wanted to help and I wanted to have the answers and, and I wanted to have this knowledge. That did not work well when I was seeing clients, but that started, again, from an earlier time When I was a young kid and I thought I wasn't smart enough. Yeah. And I needed to prove myself, you know? Um,
2: And I think we have many humbling lessons. Oh. Therapists, where we might have an idea of it being a certain way, and we're like, "Oh my, I was wrong about that. I need to have, I need to take this course, or I need to have this tact, or have this approach, or even sometimes sharing some personal things, again in a boundary-respectful way." But when it really does, um, I think empower the client to look at things differently. Oh, you're human too. You mean you've that was something in your life experience as well. I mean. You know how many times has someone said that to you when you shifted your your perspective to being a more authentic therapist?
3: Yeah, that to me is uh, really this this idea of you know uh, being able to as a, as a not even just a therapist but as a person being able to be open and authentic with someone who's Experience trauma to me. uh, There's just something so vital in that, and it's not easy, and it's oftentimes very difficult for therapists to do for a number of reasons, which which we can get into. But when that happens, uh, you know, and I'm not saying to discard. Uh, any kind of knowledge and education but i think you know you've got to have that suitcase of of knowledge and education right by you i i when i first started and i think a lot of people do have it you're clutching it to your chest you know you you've got it there <laughs>
2: you, you, you want to make sure head? you don't make a mistake and then a the uh, very clutching of it is making the mistake right right exactly
3: or you're wearing it on your head like a crown which which i tried <laughs> yeah. to do too
2: Yes, Well, you know, we have had such a lively discussion and it's time for our break in almost a minute or so. So I am with Dr. Guy McPherson and we are talking about his experiences having interviewed 700 therapists. And we're going to come back and continue this discussion and hear more about the pearls that he has learned that hopefully can help those of you out there thinking, you know, I do want to see a therapist, but how do I even pick the right one? And mm-hmm. how do I know that I'll find one that has this authenticity and not knock into someone who um, maybe I don't want to see? So I think that would be an interesting you know, further conversation for us to have. So yeah. I, just, I just want us, as, we, as we're getting ready to go to our break, could you say your website really quickly for us? Sure.
3: The Trauma Therapist Podcast.com
2: com. I'm repeating it because I, I want you all to go there so you can he, see and hear more about the work of Dr. Guy McPherson. So we'll be back in a couple minutes and we will continue this conversation.
1: Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma informed and resiliency focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information.
4: Elaine miller Kerris' book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at Elaine at Resiliency within.com. Elaine Miller Kerris co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute, or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience, awaken hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: This is Resiliency Within with Elaine Miller-Karis. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show.
2: Welcome back. Um, this is Elaine Miller-Karis with Resiliency Within, and I'm with Dr. Guy McPherson from the trauma, oh, the trauma podcast, right? Did trauma I say therapist that correctly? Part. Trauma, trauma therapist up, podcast, okay. Um, anyway, so he's interviewed over 700 therapists, and we've been talking about the authentic, uh, the authenticity that one needs to be a therapist and what that even means. So we started talking about it before the break, and do you have more you want to add to that discussion, Guy?
3: No, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, 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 um, I, I think it's vital and I think it gets, I think a lot of people, not everybody, but I think a lot of people get caught up in, um, you know, uh, interventions that, how, how important, the knowledge is and look of course I'm not saying knowledge is not important at all hear me I'm saying it's vital it's crucial but I think for me you know when I go see a therapist I want to talk to a person I don't want to hear someone telling me what interventions they're going to use on me I don't I who I I want to feel connection and we all do you know when we are Talking, when we're meeting someone who is authentic, who is themselves, who is in the moment, we feel it, we hear it, we're drawn, and in a similar way, I think that there's so much, uh, what, uh, allowances, there's so much vitality there when therapists, again, ethically and with boundaries, are allowing themselves to be in the moment a human being. Uh, Gendlin uh, in the, in the primacy of human presence, his book uh, talks about uh, this, this, this being a human being. Uh, can I, can I share this with
2: you? Oh, please. Yes. You know, and you know, Eugene Gendlin is, you know, any of us who are body centered therapists would have had to read his works. I read a little pamphlet years ago that like, I'm going, oh my gosh, this is like amazing. And he talked about the felt sense and yeah. how, Important that was, and that to me is part of authenticity. So, I just wanted to give that little background about him. And i and he, you know, he just passed two years ago. And um, anyway, just kind of honoring his presence and his contribution to the field. So, go ahead, Guy.
3: This um, uh, passage was shared with me, and it's from his book, The Primacy of Human Presence. And he, he says, "I want to start with the most important thing I have to say." He says that the essence of working with another person is to be present as a living being. And that's lucky because if we had to be smart or good or mature or wise, then we would probably be in trouble. But what matters isn't that. What matters is to be a human being with another human being, to recognize the other person as another being in there. Um, He says, even if it's a cat or a bird, whatever, if you're trying to help a wounded bird, the first thing you have to know is that there's somebody in there and that you have to wait for that person, that being in there. To be in contact with you. And I love that because when I heard that, I was like, wait a minute, well, what about all this stuff I've been learning? Where does that come into place? And then I was I was at, at one time excited, but at another time I was like, wait a minute. So you're asking me to be to show up to be. To be a person, not a therapist, right? Not a psychologist, but a, but a person, person, a person, but a, person. Yeah, yes,
2: a person, yes. And
3: again, you know, especially when we're talking about people who've experienced trauma, that is, is such a, a magnetic force of, of healing.
2: Well, and I want to say, a, you know, a little bit about that too, because I, I so agree with you about that. And because that being in the present moment with a person is mean that there's a deep listening to what the person is saying and not just what you're hearing, but what you're also sensing about what the experience is. And because the person is also experiencing you at that level too, but when you've had a lot of trauma, especially by primary caregivers It's like you, what you're doing as a therapist is you are creating new attachment strategies, new attachment ways of being with someone. Oh, you mean someone is actually here to listen to me, that I'm in this present moment and they're not scolding me or shaming me or telling me that I'm not doing it right. They're actually listening to what I have to say. And that listening and attachment in the present moment is really the core of what we do moment to moment with our clients when we, I think, are attuned, authentic therapists. I guess that would be my definition of that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you highlighting that. Um, it's something that I, I needed to learn, and it really wasn't until I started uh, doing the podcast and, and speaking over and over again with uh, you know, seasoned individuals like yourself,
2: well, um, and also, I'm wondering if maybe you could say a little bit more. You know, we were talking, uh, you know, before the, the show started about, you know, sometimes there's really famous, famous people um, that we want to interview. And then sometimes, you know, famous people, but you hear this with from the arts, you hear this from so many different walks of life, you know, don't, don't meet your heroes, you might be disappointed, right? They won't have the same impact on you. But um, I think I've seen that. And I I love what you said about you know, interviewing people that aren't necessarily, you know, on the the front page of psychology today, yet what they're doing quietly in their neighborhoods or their community mental health center is changing that part of the world. So I'm just wondering if you perhaps want to highlight someone that you've interviewed that in their own quiet way, was doing some work that maybe we, even when you called them, they said, "Oh, you want to interview me?" That there's a humility and even their response to your request. There's
3: interview- been there's been uh, a number of people like that. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm going down the list of, of people I've interviewed here, and there are I mean, there's so many people. There are so many people who. Um, I mean, you know, I'm I'm even going to go back to uh, Sharon Stanley, you know, who you said you've met. I mean, when I first met her, I I, I mean, granted, uh, I hadn't heard of everybody, but, you know, I'd never heard of her she i think maybe within certain circles she might have been she
2: was a somatic experiencing teacher i met her when i took that training yeah and she was a fabulous teacher and she was very thorough and understood and she taught me Porges's theory and i'm and that was like oh my gosh that was a little bit dense and she did it in a simplistic way that made it understandable and readable and livable so
3: I, she, would, she would she would be someone who i i think for me would would fit that bill um just again, she was someone who really s- highlighted and valued uh, the 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 human beingness in in a therapist and the importance of that and what that meant. And again, it doesn't mean to discard any knowledge and wisdom that you have. It certainly means being able to know when to incorporate that, but al- allowing oneself to uh you know be open when appropriate and vulnerable when appropriate to be a human being um that she was one of those people i mean there just goes on and on for me uh and when i first started doing this i thought that um you know i wanted to bring people on and find out learn about how they were doing, what they were doing, you know. Okay, you were working with trauma in this particular way, but for me, it 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 wasn't just that. It was more, how the heck did you get into this field? Yes. You know, how what? I mean, it's 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 so good. trauma is so crazy. It's it's horrific when you have people who are really dedicating their lives, most often not. All exclusively, but ninety-nine percent of the time, I think people—people who are in this field—have experienced some kind of trauma, you know. And for in some way, they've turned it around. And at some point, they've said, "You know, not only do I want to continue my healing, or but I want to help others." And not everyone does that, but the people who do, to me, I'm I'm really drawn to that because I think it's pretty amazing.
2: And I think the other thing, too, when you think about some of the things that have been happening in our world is that oftentimes when there's a mass shooting, oh, what happened to him? Oh, he had trauma. There was a mental health thing that happened. And you can look in that person's life and say, oh, my gosh, that was traumatic. And that person ended up doing a heinous act. But then we don't also talk about, oh, there's so many people that have had trauma that didn't do the heinous act that decided to create you know, a nonprofit that decided to have a podcast and talk to trauma therapists, create a nonprofit called the trauma Resource Institute, right? That we decided to do things with the experiences that we had that were about trying to heal and help the world and not detract and and harm it. And I think that's just an interesting trajectory that oftentimes, and what I and what what really hit me as you were talking, oftentimes what happens is you meet someone it can be one pe- person or it could be more along the road that has told you you were worth something mm-hmm. that regardless of what you experienced, that I think you've got something to offer someone. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you start looking at your life what oh, I have had so much pain. And I can remember for me, it was a psychologist named Don Dorsey. And he said, Elaine, you should start talking about, you know, the biology of, you know, the so- somatics." It goes, you really talk about it so well. And, Everybody in our, we were doing a consultation group with EMDR, he goes, everybody seems to understand when you talk about it. I've heard other people that are very famous talk about it, but people don't seem to understand it in the way that you're conveying it. And I was going, oh, I don't know if I'm smart enough to do that. You know, I'm thinking that in myself, he passed, you know, about two years ago, um, but he was like the EMDR guru of LA County. And I appreciate, but he saw that in me. I didn't necessarily see that in myself,
3: right, right. but
2: he helped me see that.
3: Yeah, I
2: think. So I I guess what I want to say with those of you that are suffering out there, um, you know, if you're a therapist or a non-therapist, you know, maybe call to mind, you know, that person or was, could have been a teacher, could have been someone that you cross path with for just a little bit, Mm -hmm. change the trajectory of how you look at yourself. But I don't know what you think about what I just said. You know, sometimes it was just a, a person.
3: Well, I love what you just said. It's it's interesting because as you were talking, I got an image of uh, uh, an a friend of our families who, when I was really young, had this ability to listen. Even even when I was a kid, he was an adult, <laughs> and it wasn't in some weird way. It was just he was like I remember him just like sitting down and he was asking me how how's it going, and it must have been like ten. But he, yeah. I just remember him like listening and I remember him shaking my hand and whatever. But it was that moment that I I felt honored. I felt like I, I felt like a human being. I didn't feel like a kid or whatever, but it was, it's interesting when you say that, um, you know, you asked about people I've interviewed and maybe reached out to and they're like, Oh my God, you really want, there had, there was uh, someone who came to my mind when you said that and she um, has her own podcast. And it's this woman, her name is Indira Safadid Bertariani. Um, her her podcast is called Soul Matter. But she, she like just started out and she's a brand new therapist. And I had met her through various channels and I was just really struck by her authenticity and openness and wanting to to get out there and help other people and when i reached out to her she was like really <laughs> and i'm like yeah really you know really and I, I just love those those kind of encounters um so
2: well and i think that's you know i guess the uh, you know the um, important thing about what we're talking about whether you're a therapist whether you know whether you're you're sitting at home w- wondering what I'm going to do in, with my life. You're uncertain, but I think that listening, and if there's someone in your life that listens to you, and seeking that person out. Maybe you haven't talked to them for a while, but maybe there was somebody. You know, it's you know I just recently uh um was up in the Bay Area and I got together with my two best friends from high school, and we just can listen to one another. And we don't Mm -hmm. see each other. We have years that go by that we don't see each other. We went to high school a long time ago in San Jose, California, but there's something about those relationships that sometimes help us. And I think sometimes when we're in pain and suffering, we can isolate ourselves and forget that maybe there's someone that we can reach out to that may help us. And, and, you know, how many times have you as a therapist guy where maybe you haven't heard from someone for a long time, or all of a sudden someone will call you and go, well, you know, I was thinking about you today, Elaine, and you helped me so much. Do you have some time to talk to me? Right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I always try to make time when people reach out to me like that, at least to be a conduit because I no longer have an active practice between me now and that person finding another therapist that they can work with. And I have a list of people that I refer to, but there is that moment of That there's something happened between me and them that was important and that that connection even though years go by we haven't lost and i think there's many i don't know if you talk to therapists about those relationships that really can be a lifetime for many of us
3: yeah that that ability to uh, Uh, feel at ease with someone else to kind of just settle in there and have that—it's—it's it, it's rare in in my experience, you know. You had asked previously about—you um, were asking your audience about, you know, how to find a therapist and 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 so forth. To me, that's a really interesting question because I think uh, oftentimes people will reach out and they won't really have a really good experience for whatever reason, and. That's it. Therapists suck. I hate therapy. It's no good. And I think it's really important to empower people to understand that, you know, that's okay. Keep going. Keep you'll know it when you find someone, when you feel that connection. And it's kind of a numbers game. You've you've got to keep at it. You know, you've got to understand that there is someone out there who wants to work with you and and vice versa but uh it it will take some time but i think
2: once your gut if you go yeah, to that's it totally going, oh i know they think i should see a therapist but something doesn't seem right then maybe something isn't right exactly and it could be just something that's new because you're you know this is a novel experience and you might want to you know have a couple sessions before you make that decision but you know I, sometimes we we move away from that gut level experience with someone and and sometimes we know when to stay and when to leave.
3: Yeah, I think uh, that can be very tricky too with the therapist client relationship because a lot of times the client feels like oh the therapist knows the therapist has all this knowledge and maybe it's me, right? Maybe I'm, I I don't know, but you're right. Um I think to, to be able to trust your gut is uh what and uh, what?
2: I think it's hard too because if you had a lot so you have learned not to trust your gut right you, you say oh i can't trust that right and oftentimes you don't know that you have like your own personal gps cent- center inside your body that if you learn to work with it and know it that it actually will lead you oftentimes in exactly the right way and i think i can only think of my own life that many times when i decided not to pay attention to my gut is when i got bitten <laughs> you don't know, go Oh, my gosh, I should have known that. And even people would say, "Oh, well, that's not right. That's not right. And I'd go, oh, no, I think maybe it's right. I, I'm going to overlook that. And then you go, oh, my gosh, why didn't I do that, right?
3: Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because that's something that I really needed to uh, work on uh, a lot, <laughs> uh, especially recently. But um, uh, and, and I think it's, like you said, it's something our culture uh, rallies against as us as you know honoring our gut. It, so much of it is what other people are thinking what I should do and this this valuing our, of our gut really brings it back for me to uh, honoring our own authenticity, you know um, And it's it's hard. It's really hard. And it does take an intentionality. You know? Well, and
2: I think it's that that internal wisdom that we have. And, you know, I wanted to ask you about another therapist that I ran into many years ago. She's now passed, but um, in Sue Kimberg, and she was famous for solution focused psychotherapy. And what I loved when I first heard her speak, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is a paradigm shift. And it was about what you're talking about. Because she said, oh, well, I learned that really the clients know the answers to their own problems. I used to think I did, but now I know they do. And so I've just learned to ask. And so she, and I remember when she first taught me the miracle question, let us see a miracle happened in your life and all the problems that you've had, you know, with whatever you're trying to change, you wake up in the morning and it is gone. How would you know that the miracle had happened? I thought, oh my gosh, that is a brilliant question. It's certainly integrated in the work that I do. And people would say, oh, well, I would be, you know, I'd be walking every morning. I would be doing blah, blah, blah. And so, and then you'd say, well, is it possible to do any of those things? Oh, well, maybe I could start walking. I can do that today. You know I'm saying? So It's it makes it easier to be a therapist when you ask questions that really are respecting the knowledge that each person has. To right. their own way, right? It's so wonderful when we know that.
3: That's such an awesome thing to, to bring <laughs> up. And it's, it's just, I think, so empowering, you know, to present an opportunity where the person sitting in front of you can, you know, honor themselves and what their own process is.
2: Well, and I also want to say, as we're talking about this, you know, as therapists, too, we do have a knowledge and an expertise. And then is there sometimes people are not aware and they may have, you know, a persistent, you know, chronic mental health condition. And there's been times when I've had to hospitalize people because I knew that what they were thinking was off. And that they could harm themselves or others. And so, you know, it's important that you know that we do this. And part of that authenticity and being in the present moment is knowing when we need to step in and make those very hard decisions to get people in a level of care so they don't hurt each other. I felt that we needed to say that as we're talking about trusting your gut in that as well.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's always, uh, (laughs) I think there always has to be a disclaimer made and kind of an, uh, I don't know. It's not right. Providing therapy is not just about trusting your gut and being open and on. Right, that's why people go to school and everything. Um, But you know, for me, and when when I was seeing clients, and I think again, a lot when a lot of a lot of young therapists get into the field, there's this need, this rush, this pull to to do, to fix, to heal. And uh, that oftentimes gets in the way with right. honoring the the humanness of connection, which oftentimes is the foundation of healing.
2: Well, I think the, those are such beautiful beautiful words. The humanness of connection—it's like the core of healing. And you know, I can't believe the time has gone by so fast. So, will you tell us again? Um, then, how people can get a hold of you in case they would like to know more about your work?
3: Sure. I can be reached at uh, the trauma therapist um, and I'm on Facebook at uh, Guy McPherson PhD or the trauma therapist, whatever. On social okay. so Social media They also. can find
2: you on there. Yeah. And also you can go to our voice America resiliency within page. And it has information about you there as well, guy. I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's so, so much fun that many years ago you interviewed me and now I get to interview you. Um, I hope maybe you'll come back again. Um, I think you probably have more to share. We just got to talk about one theme and I think we probably could talk about 10 or 20. So you may be getting a phone call from me going, Hey, uh-uh. <laughs> I think we need to talk about this right now, right? Well, it was an honor. To, I also want to let people know that, you know, if you don't know where to start, you know, talk to your friends who've gone to see a therapist, but also Psychology Today has a pretty good website where you can you can learn about people and see if there's someone that is in your area that you might want to work with. I think those are some places to go. But also, I just want to remind our guests, and I think Guy, again, you know, from a little kid that was bullied to a person who became a social entrepreneur entrepreneur and created the trauma therapy podcast. I mean, that's certainly, you know, we talk about making, you know, lemonade out of lemons. Um, you know, what else is true in life is that you don't have to be defined by the traumas that you've had, that we can look at our lives in different ways. And so for all of you out there that may be having a hard time maybe try to call in what else is true and maybe how can you be your more authentic self with yourself and the people in your life. And, um, and that might be something very helpful for you right now. So guy, again, thank you. And from Elaine Miller, Karis, this is resiliency within signing off and uh, thank you so much for being here with me. And I will see you next week. Um, same time, same channel and we will continue conversations that I hope will be inspiring. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine miller karras on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. We'll talk again soon.